0: the Off the Ball Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome. This is Off the Bench, a women's sport podcast which we hope will entertain and educate sports fans of all ages and genders. Um, We are coming out of the lockdown and one of the things that's disappointed us during the current pandemic I suppose is that we have seen far less of women's sport than we'd hoped um, for all the aspirational stuff that we've heard over the last two years in Ireland with 20 and 20 and one of the things we really have seen very little bit about is the restart of uh, women's sport, team sport and the restart of women's gaelic games. So So um, for that reason, we've invited uh, the chairperson of the Women's Gaelic Players Association, the WGPA, on today. And that is Maria Kinsler. Welcome to Off the Bench, Maria. Hi, Tina. Thanks for the invite. Well, look, you're here because we are curious to know uh, exactly what is happening with the competitive end, if you like, the intercounty end, first of all, of uh, women's GA. So that's ladies football and camogie. So maybe you'd start by filling in listeners on where they are at the moment in terms of restarting competitions.
0: Yeah, firstly, I think isn't it great to be here talking about, you know, Gaelic Games returning? I think <laughs> a lot of us didn't even see the 2020 season been viable a few weeks ago. So it's incredible progress the country has made and I think everyone is really excited for the you know the championship book club and county that lay ahead. On the female inter-county side, um so inter-county training is permitted from September 14th with um games returning on October 17th. So on the, the LGFA side they had um abandoned all their National League fixtures earlier in the lockdown so there will be no completion of those. Um, they have ratified their our Ireland fixtures and structures for, by Central Council just late last week, and the groups will be drawn for
1: those early this week. Um, yeah. gives... The 13th of June, I think, is the day to watch out for, for people, I think, for the start, for when they're going to make the draw for the Ladies Gaelic Football Championship, that's right. And they're going to have slightly, probably only semi finals, um, for groups into straight semi finals this year because of the time.
0: Yeah, correct. So every intercounty team will be guaranteed a minimum of at least two games, and um, there will be then semi-finals and the finals. We will be concluding on the weekend of the twenty eighth and 29th ninth of November. Love a
1: long way away.
0: <laughs> it is, but um, I think any intercounty player will take it when it's it like a couple of weeks ago. It didn't even seem as if we were going to get any championships. So. Um, I think players are just delighted to be able to get back out training um, with their clubs this week and then return to the intercounty setup later in the summer. And what about Camogie then?
1: Yeah, so the Camogie national fixtures... Made, they haven't made an actual announcement yet, but we're expecting one fairly imminently, aren't we?
0: Yeah, I believe um, clarity will be given around fixtures early this week. They, um, all throughout uh, COVID-19 lockdown, have committed to um, completing their national league. So it is going to be a little bit different there compared to the football side of it. Um, but again, we we'll await further details earlier this week.
1: Okay. As the chairperson of the WGPA, the Players Association, um, have, you, have you been uh, contacted about anything that's been happening or have you had any conversations with both the LGFA and the Mogi Association to have some input into it? Were the players asked, in other words?
0: Yeah, so the WGPA have um, engaged with both the Camogie Association and the LGFA um, throughout the whole lockdown period, representing the players' voice and seeking clarity on a number of points that I I suppose has arisen to frustration with players. Um, our the Camogie Association very openly engaged with us, but unfortunately the engagement with the LGFA has been disappointing. Um, both associations have issued surveys to all their stakeholders during the period, be it, you know, referees, county executives, club players, county players. Um yeah. I believe this was used for the to for them to make informed decision. Um, but unfortunately, this was issued prior to the uh, GA roadmap, so the accuracy on the findings from the players' side about how comfortable they would be returning to play is probably inconclusive now because the roadmap wasn't issued at the time of the survey right. from the bodies okay.
1: okay and you seem to indicate that that the lgfa the women's football didn't um didn't Did they make contact with you at all or why do you think that they took a slightly how how do they take a slightly different issue with it then than the camogie association from your side from our side, um, we
0: have sent numerous correspondence to both associations um Komogi engaged with us. They were willing to share their, their planning and the processes that they were going through um, and their operational plans. Unfortunately, on a number of points from the lady side, we just didn't receive any clarification as yeah. to what was happening. And it was more so um, unanswered questions um, that, that gave, um, arose to our frustration.
1: So you really didn't know until they announced what they were doing then last last uh, Friday, I think. And today is yeah, Sunday, so just literally until 48 hours ago. Um, let's take it on further then. You're a club player. Um, you're from Carlo and you play with, with Carlo Ladies Footballers, but you actually play your club football now in, uh, you've, you've transferred, have you, to Dublin? Yeah,
0: um a Dublin, Dublin club,
1: yet. I should stress.
0: <laughs> a Dublin Club, yeah, no. Um it was a very hard decision to make. Um but I've been working in Dublin for the last seven years um, and I suppose just the commuting up and down just took its toll on my body and it just wasn't possible to be to give my club the commitment I thought they deserved. Um and to probably extend my club career a couple of more years. I made a decision um to transfer to a Dublin club to Athena. From, um, from your home club is
1: Fenn Is it in, in, Hortons, in, Yeah, St. Vartan's and Carlo, Yes, Hortons and carlo Sorry, and then um, you're an accountant as well, obviously. So this is all this is all outside work for you, and and sport for you is like it is for most of us is, is your amateur. You're an amateur, um, but you still love it. So you're going back training. I'm taking it then. The new the new people should probably know by now, but the GA came out uh, two days ago and suddenly moved everything forward and said, okay. Uh, clubs can go back training in the middle of next week and uh, non-contact and then can even have, cha- I think, challenge matches even uh, as early as is it June I think June 29th, uh, which is really interesting. So that's what you're looking forward to individually. But on a an, on an county level, I mean, we're talking at the same timetable as the GA, which means uh, inter-county teams can't go back training until September. Now, this is, you know, the third week in June. And we're talking about Noel Ireland in November. That seems to me to be very late. Um, and I'm wondering, have you had any feedback from your players on what's happened?
0: Yeah, so after the, the GA COVID-19 advisory group issued their original return to play roadmap, we surveyed our members and um, we received huge responses on this. Over 869 players, which represents over 52% of all female inter players fed into this um, Survey. So I suppose there's probably four main findings um, coming out of that. One overall, 71% of inter county players are all very supportive of the roadmap. Um, right. Around competition structures, uh, players are in favour of inter county fixtures being completed in the 2020 uh, calendar season.
1: Right, not uh, running into next year, yeah.
0: Yeah, they would prefer a backdoor of multi game format, which the LGFA has delivered. Um, they want a defined off-season of at least four weeks and are willing to have a delay to the 2021 National Leagues in order to facilitate this.
1: Oh, good point, actually. Yeah, And I think, I think a lot of players would be like that. In other words, if we start late next year because we're playing very late this year, that would be OK. So those were the key findings. What, what interests yeah. me here, I suppose, is that... Um, what fascinates me is that the LGFA and Camogie have both rode in with the GA and gone exactly with their dates. And I just wondered, was there, do you think there might be an opportunity for them here to be, to take a different step? First of all, they're not funded by either. Okay, there's some notional, you know, integration there. And they were part of that GA, uh, that, that workshop that has worked out how to deal with COVID. But mm-hmm. they're actually still independent bodies run by different people. And I'm looking at, for example, the FAI, the Women's National League now are looking at going back to, play, to start the National League in August. And could, could women's team sport and women's Gaelic Games actually possibly go back earlier than men? They don't have the same crowd sizes. They're not going to have those huge issues about social distancing. Could they not be a little more radical, do you think?
0: Yeah, I think firstly the WGPA definitely welcomed the inclusion of the LGFA and the Camogie Association on that COVID-19 advisory group. Um, I thought it made sense. We share, you know, a number of players and resources across the Gaelic Games family. Um, I think there was very clear and concise communication coming out of that advisory group that was being applied across the three associations. That perhaps if either one diverged from, it could, you know, give more confusion than um, anything. Um, But my main hope out with that advisory group is that it actually leads to further collaboration and integration of the three associations as a result of the success of the road to one roadmap for three the three codes. and um, yes, I definitely agree with you. I think potentially there could have been an opportunity for the female game to be play intercounty game to be played in the summer months when it's not competing with the male yeah. intercounty game. Um, I think BBC actually issued some some stats about last summer and the FIFA World Cup about how their coverage was actually 50% um, equal between male and female sports last year but during the summer when the World Cup was going on but that was as a result of the, no uh, competition no, from no male No competition sports. from
1: male, exactly, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, um, so I think there was an opportunity there to do it. Um, it could have, you know, increased commercial sponsorship, broadcasting you could have had all of the Camogie games on RTE Um, so yeah I think there was an opportunity there but I think players are just happy to get back playing at this stage
1: Do you you think players would have been worried about going back to Intercounty to play competitively any earlier than the dates that they've been given now? Um, Yeah I suppose
0: another um, finding from our survey is that 32% of players are somewhat likely not to return to play wow. um, GA um, at any stage in 2020 and the main concern being the health of voters around them um, and really so interesting. I think yeah, yeah I think what, wow um, I think we will see um teams with players opting out this year and from our point of view we're very much concerned now about providing services to to our players that can support them in making that decision and communicating it To their management team and to their fellow players, as also, and being comfortable in standing up and making a decision to actually, you know, you know what this isn't for me this year. I'm living with my vulnerable parents or high risk people. I'm making a decision on an individual basis that I'm opting out, and there is no judgment around that
1: that's really interesting Maria because you're right like so many players will have vulnerable partners or vulnerable children or vulnerable parents or relatives or people that they're living with and they won't necessarily want to go back and I know I've come across a few players who have issues and said I really don't want to go back it's just not at the moment I, not until we find a vaccine and all those sorts of things so 32% that's a big number the 32% of the of your of your, your the people who reply to you in other words yeah. Yeah. 32% of 50% of your membership that's a lot of players to give that that's really interesting and have they been contacting me about how to handle that in terms of going back or have you got that flood of oh, do you think that'll come later before they go back um, I think a lot of it will depend
0: um, I think they're going to make a decision now as to whether they're going to go back and play club I, I can't yes. see a player opting to play club and then deciding not to play inter-county yes. um, so we're definitely looking at what services we can provide to players in the coming weeks and with the acceleration in the return to play roadmap that is something that's going to be a top priority for us over the next two to four weeks. Um, But, you know, there is other problems as well that's been highlighted. You know, we still have yet to receive clarity about what happens around the protocols when a player actually does test positive on a team. Um, You know, does that just mean if they're going to be isolated, is there a requirement for the whole team to be isolated? What happens when this is around a fixture, a championship fixture? Are they given a walkover? Has the team not to facilitate and will this actually result in teams perhaps not being honest and um, notifying national government bodies of a potential COVID-positive test within their team in order to gain a competitive advantage?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we know with men's teams, we've heard reports of them already back training. Um, not meant to be back training, but they are. Have you heard similar reports about the women's games?
0: Um, yeah, I have. I'll be honest. I think there is inter-county teams back uh, training in small groups. Um, for me, if you look at that period between September 14th, when intercounty training is allowed to resume, up until October 10th, when all club competition has to be completed, there's four or five weeks there where intercounty players potentially can be pulled from pillar to pillar, from club to county teams, and particularly for players who are going to be competing in the business end of their club championship and also asked to commit to their county team in preparation for their intercounty team. Um, I would like. I think also this is going to be a bigger issue in smaller counties where yeah. there's a smaller number of teams that might have six or eight players back in a county team compared to maybe the larger counties that might only have one or two players from each team. Yeah. Um, but this is something that we're also very um, concerned about and I think I would urge all the three associations to not put their head in the sand on this issue and to actually come up with a solution that it's somewhat reasonable for all players. I think, you know, we've seen in the GA where there's off-seasons, supposedly, but they're not in force. This is now, there's potential on a player welfare issue here of spiking injuries. We've seen it in the soccer already. Yeah,
1: already Um, we've seen it, exactly, yeah.
0: So, I think over the coming months, and perhaps as part of the inter-county player document that will be released from the COVID advisory group, there might be more clarity around that in the coming weeks. And I, I would urge uh, the GA, the LGFA, and the Camogie Association to seriously consider it.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because I think we talk a lot about, uh, we hear a lot of talk about Club V County in men's GA, but we actually don't hear it um, enunciated enough, I think, in women's GA. And as you say, with smaller numbers very much and a lot of talent sometimes in one club in one county and Mm -hmm. smaller amounts of clubs in in counties, it it can be just as bad and sometimes worse. So it's just not discussed as much, I think.
0: Yeah, um, it was one of our survey findings also that 65% of players are concerned about the schedule and overlap in September to October. Um, I'm aware that the Leinster Club Championship uh, doesn't intend to go ahead. So they're going to have Leinster Club games from September 20th each weekend for four weekends in a row up until October 10th. Um, Players shouldn't have to pick whether they represent their club or um, commit to their county team for in preparation of an Ireland series. So I think...
1: Yeah, and it makes sense to me actually that you'd bring forward the club competitions. That would be one alternative is bring forward those club competitions for women's sport where there mightn't be as many clubs involved. Try and try and move that forward. I mean, generally, I suppose... You, there are there are going to be issues here. We're squeezing a GA season into a few months, and normally women's women's Gaelic games they get now they get September on their own. So do you envisage other other complications and other problems down the road now as this evolves? Yeah, I think you know the
0: access of female teams to facilities is going to be a massive issue. Um, Now, like it was an issue before this, where they couldn't get into their county grounds to play their national league games and um, they couldn't get access to training fields. You now have juvenile to adult competitions look to be played in an 11 or 13 week period. Um, I think it's going to be huge. I was delighted to see that in the GA advisory group and um, materials that was circulated to clubs that there has to be a provision um, of access to facilities equally across all codes. Um, so That is an encouraging sign um, and I think anyone, any club that is operating under the one club model um, We'll be looking to uh, implement that also
1: yeah but and i and i, I see a potential work. problem in that we've had standalone all irelands for women uh, ladies football and camogie in for the last while um for many years now and if you're talking about squeezing everything into these months and talking about all irelands in november it, you know they're not going to be standalone they could be up against uh some really big uh, inter-county men's games uh they could i i'm presuming they'll be in crow park but we there's no there's no confirmation of that even yet so the struggle for facilities at local level but even for national level and for and for the fans and for attention is 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 going to is there are going to be clashes there that that aren't going to help them isn't there
0: yeah i think you know everyone needs to realise this isn't a normal season and there's no perfect solution and everyone isn't going to be happy with every outcome. But it's going to re- uh, require a bit of give and take on all sides, be it managers, players, county boards, uh, different associations, different codes. Um, but yeah, like there is no confirmation that the ladies' finals will go ahead in Crow Park. I hope so. I hope they still get their day in Crow Park. I think female players deserve it. It's what you know, numerous players dream of playing in Crow Park in our Ireland final day. Um, But that has yet to be confirmed and I suppose over the coming weeks those finer details will be ironed out
1: do you have I mean it's the year of the second year of 20 by 20 which in Ireland has been you know uh, has been part of an international global movement I would say that has raised the consciousness of women's sport and they seem to be you know gaining momentum are you worried I, I mean I look at at, at at even even I'm looking at the last week where you know Operation Restart in England means you know men's football is back but they may as well say Operation couldn't be arsed in terms of women's soccer because they basically cancelled the Women's Super League in England um, and, and even even in terms of, as I said, of, of the coverage, I noticed like even I've seen sports quizzes in recent weeks, not one question in the sports quiz about uh, women. Um, here on Off the Ball, I'm delighted to see so many women featuring on the on the Mount Rushmores that they did, the inter-county ones. But to me, have you do you agree or did you notice a, a change in media coverage even during the lockdown? And do you think, would you worry about, losing momentum for women's sports because of the resultant cutback in all kinds of things not only media but maybe sponsorship and coverage and media coverage where it goes now
0: yeah like as you said 2019 there was a real wave you know women in sport was really riding right high and had a successful year you look to the the fifa women's world cup and then you look back on a national level and there was record attendances at the GA, like the LGFA finals, the Komogi finals, the international women's rugby team, the international hockey team had record attendances, yeah. um, and And that, that trend was carried into 2020 right up until COVID lockdown, which was seen in like the women's T20 World uh, Cup final in the cricket. There was over 86,000 people packed into Melbourne to watch that. Um, but historically, women in sport has been underfunded um, compared to their male counterparts, and there is serious concerns that women in sports is going to take a step back. You look um, across the pond to the Premiership; their return to action behind closed doors. The women's league has yet to. You look at the AFLW cancelled, but yet the AFL uh, men's, men's competition has has resumed. Um, so I think there is serious concerns that you know women's sport will be knocked back because of it. Um, I was. Delighted to hear the government have announced a package for um sports uh, generation and seventy millions and I, I hope Sports Ireland distributes that equally between male and female, um sports. At the moment, there's a big funding difference between uh, male and female intercounty players in around seventy percent.
1: So I hope Sports Ireland explain that briefly to listeners what that means when you say that.
0: Okay, so the government funding between male intercounty players and female operates differently. So the male players would receive an individual grant Dant based you. on how far their team progresses in the Ireland Championship. And on the female side, it is a team grant, um, which uh, is 700,000 and is ring for certain um, provision of services like S&C, gym, yeah. uh, stuff. So the whole team, the men, not any individuals, yeah. Yeah. So the men's at the moment receive about three million um, and the women's receive seven hundred thousand. So I would like to see Sports Ireland use in that funding to perhaps close that gap and yeah. not to let it grow any further. But um look, as you said, be it government, be it players representative bodies, media, broadcasters, rights ownerships, sponsorships, um, I think everyone has a huge role to play in the coming weeks and months to ensure that women's sport is not negatively impacted and um, it
1: continues to thrive um, just as it did before COVID-19 well we couldn't put it any better ourselves Maria uh, thanks so much for joining us on Off the Bench and we do hope exactly the same that uh, whatever happens in the coming months that women are not disadvantaged after making as we said so much progress in recent years um, we had Denise O'Sullivan the brilliant Irish soccer player on our last podcast um, and she I mean the in, in America the women's uh, National League their top league over there the soccer league isn't going back to a league format but it's, they're going to play it as a blitz almost for a whole month they're moving all to Utah and basically gonna run it as a tournament over a month which is an interesting way to deal with it but at least they didn't cancel it yeah. at all and nor should they. Um so if anybody wants to hear um, Denise's experience in America at the moment and what they're doing with that check, check out, that's our last podcast but you can get all of the, all of our previous episodes including all of our lockdown specials um, on offtheball.com we go into the series link um, Off The Venture series link there and they Off The Ball has a new app as well so that's a great way to find our previous episodes in the series podcast link there As we said, um, we're delighted to see so many women making the Mount Rushmore's, the County Mount Rushmore's, as well on Off the Ball. So if you're interested, go in and look up your county and have a listen to those as well. Uh, Thanks again, Maria, for joining us. Best of luck to everybody when they do eventually get back into club and county action this summer. Take care. Thanks, Lena. That was an Off the Ball Podcast Network presentation.